welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. This podcast, hosted by Kate Agnew and Marie Ferguson, will empower you to realize your professional dreams by giving you access to our global community of dietitians. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we'll educate you, inspire you, and help you create more impact as a dietitian. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host, Kate Agnew, um, and today we have Rachel Hawkins joining us. Rachel is a dietitian turned online marketing strategist and margarita enthusiast, helping health professionals market their businesses online with ease so that they can reach more people, have more impact, and achieve game-changing results in their businesses. Rachel connects with and helps thousands of healthcare professionals through her chart-topping podcast, Naked Chats, and online course, Grantini. And Rachel has so far walked a very interesting career journey with many light bulb moments and lessons learned. So today on the podcast, we're talking about her story, her work, um, and a purpose that we at Dietitian Connection um, really share with Rachel, which is really inspiring and empowering health professionals to realize their dreams. So welcome to the show, Rachel. I'm so excited excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Kate. I'm really happy to be here. We were just talking off mic and I said, I think we were both looking forward to this all week. So (laughs) definitely. Um, It's been the anchor of my week. And like we've talked about in the past, um, it's been on my wish list to interview on our podcast for quite some time. So I'm really glad we could make this happen. Oh, thank you. I'm very, very pumped to be here. So I think um, it's always nice to go back to um, your story and hear a bit about the journey you've worked so far. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how you came to be the chief cocktail shaker at Rachel Hawkins Co? (laughs) I feel like we need to provide a bit of context to that title. So (laughs) that um, chief cocktail shaker is the title on my email signature. So if anyone ever sends me an email, uh, that will be at the bottom next to my name. Um, And I think anyone that follows me online would know that I have quite a fun and a playful brand with a very strong cocktail theme. So, um, you know, my title, I guess, is representative um, of perhaps the disruptive nature of the work that I do in trying to shake up what is typically a very traditional industry, being the healthcare industry. Um, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned in that lovely introduction, I previously worked as a dietitian. So I studied a master's of dietetics at the University of Queensland and graduated mid-2018, very naively started my first business two months following uh, that graduation date. And that was a digital business. So I had an online clinic, which certainly wasn't the norm back then. And I also did a lot of work with brands. So I worked as a nutrition consultant on a number of projects. I wrote for a couple of companies, so health articles. And I also did quite a lot of work uh, on social media in paid social media campaigns via my Instagram, which was growing at the time. 
Um, when you run a business, anyone listening who, who runs a business would know this, but you have to invest a lot of time into getting your name out there and increasing brand awareness because without that, people don't know that your business exists and you don't make money. So having a digital business, I invested a lot of my time into learning about all things online marketing. So from Instagram marketing, email marketing, SEO, basically anything that would help to improve the discoverability of my brand online. And I just fell in love with it so much so that in late 2019, I decided to press pause on my business and I actually went to work full-time in a digital marketing role within a larger organization within the health industry. And I spent the good part of a year just being a sponge and just learning as much as I could about online marketing and content marketing and really making the most of that opportunity to upskill um, 2020 rolled around, obviously COVID hit, and we saw a really huge change in the way that healthcare services were being delivered. I obviously wasn't practicing at the time, but it was really interesting for me because, you know, I was watching people that once showed a lot of resistance towards adopting the online space as a means to deliver their services, now running virtual clinics and doing a really great job of it. And I think really starting to begin to recognize or realize the benefits of having uh, that online clinic, um, not only for the clients, but for businesses and also the practitioner. And I just sort of had a little bit of a light bulb moment. You know, it was pretty obvious to me that using the online environment as a way to deliver healthcare services was going to be the new norm in some capacity. And if that was going to be the new norm, then healthcare professionals were going to need someone to help them navigate navigate that space. And I was someone from my experience who obviously knew how to do that. So I made the decision to step away from dietetics late last year. It was a pretty tough one. Uh, I closed my nutrition consulting business and earlier this year, I opened up this new business still under my personal brand. And I now spend my time teaching health professionals how to market their businesses online through digital programs, resources, and soon to be services, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Wow, Rachel. There's a couple of things in there that I really want to um, unpack. Number one, it must have been a really brave move um, and you it would have involved a lot of courage to have to re, sort of take that step to realise, okay, you need to go work somewhere else to learn and then also you need to take time to sit and think about where you want to take your business. Um, very, very interesting. Was that an important part of where you are today? Absolutely. Yeah. It was a really uh, challenging time. I, you know, post-graduation, I think I really struggled to find my feet a lot. You know, I finished uni and I finished thinking, I don't want to do any of what I've just spent the past 18 months learning. So that was a hard sort of pill to swallow because you invest so much time into getting this qualification. And then what if you get to the end and you figure out that actually that's not the type of work you want to be doing? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I spent up until, I would say up until early this year, kind of really struggling to find my feet and my purpose and doing work that is really purposeful is really important to me. And so that, you know, obviously formed a huge part in my journey and, you know, sort of getting me to the point where I'm at now. Yeah. And I would love to talk more about um, this whole idea of um, disrupting and working in a non-traditional dietetics role, because I think you and I have 
quite a bit in common personally, and we also have a lot in common professionally with regards to your brand and the Dietitian Connection brand. Um, it's quite funny. I went, I studied in Brisbane and went to UQ as well and graduated from the same master's course <laughs> so, ah. um, in 2016. So we were, you know, only a few years off. And um, I think, I mean, part of your vision is um, inspiring and empowering healthcare professionals. That's central to Dietitian Connections vision. And then I think for you and I, we are both have obviously walked this journey where we've realised we can't, really live up to our true purpose by working within a traditional dietetics role and the roles that were um, provided to us when we were, you know, doing our masters or put in front of us. So I often think about it as, you know, sometimes we feel like a square peg in a round hole type situation. So I would love to unpack this a bit because I think this is something I, you know, have thought about a lot and uh, you know, to be quite honest, struggled with in my early days um, when I first graduated, and and it sounds like you've you've gone through the same thought process. So, yeah, tell tell me a bit about how you came to terms with that, and um, yeah, how it's how it shaped your journey. Yeah, so I guess I think you know the more dietitians that I talk to, obviously have um, quite a big dietitian nutritionist sort of base based on my previous work. I realized and recognized that our experiences are not unique. And I suppose my story is that I was watching dietitians in the media. So, you know, Joel Ferrer and Lindy Cohen, um, all these, you know, fantastic, you know, dietitians and practitioners who are representing the profession. And I was sort of like, how do they do that work? Like, are they seeing clients in clinic or, you know, how do they make their money? And so I guess I was just really inquisitive as to the different potential job opportunities that existed outside of that traditional realm. And that's actually where the um, idea for my podcast, Naked Chats, first came about, which is a little bit cheeky, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a podcast and I'm going to ask them, you know, how they got in into their work just to try and, you know, broaden my mind a little bit as to potentially what I could do within my own business. So I think that's where that sort of came about. But I think as nutrition is growing in popularity, obviously more people are going through the university system and there's only so many jobs, you know, in uni, I don't know what it was like for you, Kate, but everyone come the last term was just freaking out because we were just continually getting told, you know, there's not enough jobs for anyone, you know, it's likely that you won't secure full-time work, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I think now there's actually a need for, for the universities to equip uh, graduating dietitians and nutritionists a lot better in terms of preparing them for the workforce because the skills that you have as a dietitian are so diverse and can really be applied to so many other industries outside of the traditional job roles that you're taught at uni. So I think, you know, talking about that is really important moving forward for everyone who, you know, is going through university now or perhaps, you know, new graduates trying to find their feet in the workforce. Definitely. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of stress around come, come uh, graduation and thinking about the next step. Um, 
Tara Diversi said something uh, a couple of years ago that has always stuck with me and I love reflecting on it and uh, this obviously isn't verbatim but um, she said something to the effect of how can there be no jobs when there's so much work for us to do as dietitians And and the point of it was around you know there are opportunities beyond what we see in front of us right now or what we think are the roles we need to go into and I think that is just a beautiful beautiful way to illustrate that point that you that you're making. Yeah, that's that is it is really beautiful and just so well put. That just really encompasses it all, doesn't it? Mm, yes. So um, it's really interesting, Rachel, that you talked about um, the kind of resistance to working online that you were seeing. Because I agree with you. I think COVID has, uh, you know, twenty twenty really changed our um, our mindset around working online. Um, I know that. Uh, Instagram has been a huge part in in your career um, and you often talk about how it's helped you grow your business. So I'd love to hear more about, um, yeah, how you've built your business through Instagram. Absolutely. So Instagram was the first online platform that I had. So it was before I had my website, my podcast, before I even knew what email marketing was. And whilst I would certainly say there wasn't any strategy really behind me being on Instagram, you know, I just had it to share some nutrition tips and to be completely frank and honest, I really would have loved some some free food from a company. Um, what I didn't realize was that by being on Instagram alone, without a strategy even, I was working towards building a brand. And the greatest benefit of Instagram and any social media platform for for that matter is its ability to connect you with people. And the connections that I made both with my audience, with other dietitians, other healthcare professionals, other business owners, just by simply being on the platform itself is ultimately what led me to being able to make money from it and establish that first business. Mm -hmm. So I was getting, you know, inquiries through Instagram from people that followed me. I had other health professionals referring people to my online clinic. You know, I was approached for brand collaboration, speaking opportunities, media feature, not because I was the best dietitian or I was an expert in any particular field. It was just because I was putting my face out there. And I found that once I had a little bit of momentum, that just continued until mm-hmm. I ultimately pressed pause on that in, in late 2019. So it sounds like um, Instagram started as a very sort of organic thing for you or you were learning how it worked. And then maybe you developed a bit more of a strategy later down the track. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I, I almost say that Instagram was my business early, earlier on in, in my career. And I wouldn't rec- recommend that. Um, but what that did is it sort of exposed me to all of these different sort of work scenarios. It uh, was a really great tool for networking that once I sort of got my foot in the door, I was able to step back and look at it more strategically and really think about, okay, what sort of structure am I wanting to, you know, sort of focus on within my business? How do I want to structure my business? And then how does Instagram or how can Instagram now support me in, you know, growing essentially? Mm. So I've thought about this a lot when it comes to, I um, mean, you mentioned email marketing before, um, you know, podcasting, using social media platforms. It's scary, right? It's scary learning a new thing, especially for um, 
especially for people who aren't necessarily as excited by tech as others, it's, um, yeah, it's often a big learning curve. Do you think maybe um, a really great take-home point there is you don't have to have all the answers when you start? You can um, start organically and then it's sort of, um, yeah, you you develop that strategy as you go, as you learn and as you um, follow your curiosity? Definitely. You know, I think sometimes we want to have it all figured out before we start something and we want to be perfect. We sort of fight this, you know, type A personality, which is really common in dietetics. I know, you know, wanting things to be perfect and I want to say the right thing and do the right thing. And I just want my brand to be complete. But the reality is, is that your brand and your business will always evolve. And mine has evolved and continues to evolve, you know, three years on roughly. Mm. Um, So just getting started is the greatest thing to do. And it is the hardest thing to do. Mm. But once, you know, like anything, once you practice something, it sort of becomes just part of the norm Mm. and then you work on growth moving forward. Yeah. So um, Maria and I have delivered a few uh, presentations around podcasting and email marketing at dietitian conferences and that is the point that we usually make. So I totally agree. So, I mean, I guess in line with what we're talking about, I think – I think starting, agree with you, it's the hardest part. Um, for those who are listening and aren't on Instagram yet, um, uh, do you think that it it's too late to get started? Is there any point where it is too late given that maybe Instagram has already peaked in engagement and now we've got all these other social channels happening? I get asked this question all the time and no, it is not too late to get started. And I know people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have an Instagram marketing course. Of course, you're going to say that. (laughs) But I have an Instagram marketing course for a reason. It's because it works and it's working at the moment. I actually released a podcast episode yesterday, I think, with one of my Gramtini students who is a nutritionist and she's also dual qualified as a PT. And she started her Instagram in June when I ran my last round of Gramtini. And come the end of August, she had completely booked out her services just from using wow. Instagram. In, like, That's incredible. incredible. I, yeah. Oh, so crazy. And the even crazier thing about it is that she had 322 followers on Instagram. Wow. So her conversion to getting um, people to book a service, that, that sounds like that was really high then, despite not necessarily having thousands of followers. Super, super high. Mm-hmm. And the reason that she was able to do that was because the followers that she does have on her page, even though it's a small number, they are highly, highly engaged in her business and what she does because they're representative of her ideal client. And Mm. that is really the key to success on Instagram. It's not having, you know, 20,000 followers, 50,000, 100,000 followers. It's attracting the right people to your platform, nurturing them through your content, and then converting those people into clients or customers of your business. And that should be any marketing strategy really, right? Targeting the right people. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, on Instagram, a lot of people, you just fall into that comparison trap and Mm -hmm. you become hyper-focused on this number that sits at the top of your page, the number of followers. And honestly, it is just a vanity metric. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're making more money in your business. Followers don't translate to to revenue. The engagement is the important part. 
Great point. I'm just sprinkling some wisdom I've heard from other dietitians throughout this conversation as well. Um, Terry Lichtenstein, who you would know of from Food Bites, she, I remember her making the point uh, many, many years ago around there's no point in having followers if they're not engaging with you. What is important is the engagement that you get and then the conversion as well. Totally. And you know what has really sort of helped me to like solidify that point outside of my own experience, outside of the experience of people that I've worked with in the marketing world, there will be accounts that I follow or, or you know, professionals that I sort of like connect with and they have, you know, let's say like 4,000 followers, but they have like <laughs> massive business, like multi-million dollar businesses. Mm -hmm. And it's just like proof in the pudding really that that social media following really you know, it, it means nothing. The number means nothing at the end of the day. Mm. It's the work that you do outside of that in, in converting them into customers mm. of your business that matters. Because with, if you're not making money in your business, you don't have a business. Yeah. And we need to make money to pay our bills to, to continue doing meaningful work in the world. <laughs> That's the way exactly. I see it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I assume that this is a big part of Gramtini, the course then in terms of what content you cover. Massive, massive. Okay. So the first couple of weeks of the course is we don't even like touch Instagram. It is all about, you know, brand foundations and, you know, really getting clarity on your customer and what your business offers and the transformation and the value that mm -hmm. you add to people because you need to know that stuff really well and have clarity around that in order to to be effective on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming this is probably an area that you cover as well in the course around the time it takes to build an engaged following. Um, can you offer any tips to listeners around this? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, you know, you can build an engaged following really quickly. Um, Alicia's story is the perfect example of that. So within three months, you know, she was booked out from start to finish. And actually she was really representative of someone who started the course not even being on Instagram in the first place because um, the course is very much like an A to Z sort of roadmap to follow. Um, but I suppose my biggest tip for building an engaged following, and it's something that often is quite scary to a lot of people to sort of comprehend, but it's to really niche down and focus on serving the people within that niche. And if you're listening and you're not sure what a niche is, a niche is a specialized sort of area within the broader uh, industry that you work work in. So nutrition is super, super broad. Just think about all of the stuff that you taught at university and only that scratches the surface. You need to do so much more learning after you graduate. So you want to get really specific with the area that you work in. So for example, it could be nutrition for men's health, for women's health, sports nutrition, plant-based nutrition, nutrition for fertility and IVF. I see a lot of people sort of working in mm -hmm. that niche at the moment. It can really be anything, but by picking a niche, what you're going to do is you're going to make it a lot easier for yourself to be able to clearly communicate what you do, how you serve people and, you know, what value you offer. And that is super, super important in marketing because the more defined and the more targeted your niche area is, the more likely it's going to be that you're going to attract people to your business who are interested in what you do and what you sell. And that, of course, mm -hmm. will then translate into revenue. That's a fabulous summary, Rachel. We're <laughs> going to have to use that because uh, Marie Ferguson is a big advocate for niching as well. We've talked about that a lot. So um, thank you. That's a very eloquent summary. 
Thank you. I love that you guys are talking about that too. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So I assume maybe this question is how long is a piece of string type question? How, how long does it take to build an engaged following through Instagram? Can you put a number on it? Look, it's different for everyone and it's different depending on your approach. So, mm-hmm. you know, the more broad, for example, your niche area is, potentially it's going to take you a little bit longer to attract the type of clients that you want to work with. Uh, you could alternatively go on there with a really strong strategy, a really clearly defined niche, be an awesome communicator, and you could be booked out in a matter of months. It really it really depends. So, you're right. It is a, how long is a a piece of string type of question, but, you know, I think it's really exciting to know that it can be done quickly if you're really smart and strategic about the way that you're using Instagram as a marketing platform. Yeah. I imagine that you cover more of that in Graham Teeny. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. And then what is the biggest or the biggest mistakes that you see online, either Instagram or more broadly, that healthcare professionals are making? I think number one, and I suppose I just mentioned it a little bit before, it's posting without the strategy. Mm-hmm. Instagram 100% can be a massive time suck. And when you have a business, you can't afford to be spending hours a day on Instagram. So my approach to Instagram is all about working smarter, not harder. So how can you spend as little time as possible on that platform whilst getting maximum results within your business? And something that I talk to my Gramtini students about is the difference between doing Instagram and really leveraging Instagram as a marketing tool within your business. So if you are someone who is just doing Instagram and I want everyone listening to think about themselves and how they use Instagram as I'm talking through this, because I'm sure people will be able to resonate with with something. Um, You are likely someone who is potentially feeling a little bit overwhelmed by Instagram in general and a little bit flustered and scattered in trying to keep up with posting consistently. You're potentially also someone who acts a little bit more reactively on the platform. So let's just say an account that you follow shares a post that you really like and you think, oh, that's a really cool post that performed really well for them. I'm going to recreate something like that for myself and share it on my platform too. So I'd classify that as being reactive as opposed to acting more strategically. And you may also be someone who is hyper-focused on the number of followers you have and, you know, how your feed looks aesthetically as opposed to looking at the bigger picture, that being, you know, the quality of the content that you're sharing as well as how Instagram is serving your business in general. Mm. In comparison, if you're someone who is leveraging Instagram as a marketing tool, you're more likely to be acting with intention, on the platform. So you have a plan and you're going to stick with that plan regardless of what anyone else is doing on the platform. You're likely attracting the right type of people to your platform and really building authority and trust among that audience. And you are also someone who is actively generating leads and nurturing them within your business. So Mm -hmm. when you compare these two approaches, if you like, side by side, One makes Instagram marketing seem pretty overwhelming and, you know, like I mentioned before, that massive time suck, while the other one is going to help you to really build a profitable page that brings revenue into your business. And for me, it all starts with having a strategy in place. Yeah, and focus from the sounds of it as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And just sort of, you know, like I mentioned there, just yes, watch what your competitors are doing, you know, be aware of what's happening in the social media realm. But just because something is working for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So, you know, an effective strategy all comes down to, like we mentioned before, really being clear on who you are and who you help. So that comes back to your previous point about the comparison game and how that's really no good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are people listening. Like I, I've I'm done this before in, you know, recreating a post that I've seen has done really well for someone else and then I share it and it's a complete flop. And I'm like, well, it's pretty much like the same thing. Why, why hasn't it done mm-hmm. well for me? Because I have a different audience. So, mm-hmm. you know, my audience doesn't care about what, you know, the, this other person's, you know, audience does. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a metaphor and lesson not just for Instagram but for throughout our careers as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Um, okay. So we've obviously talked a bit about Gramtini. Um, can you tell me a bit more about your other offerings for healthcare professionals? I know you're also currently shaking something new up. Yes. Yes, that's right. So as much as I love Instagram, you know, it shouldn't be the only platform that you rely on to market your business. Um, because obviously, you know, we don't own our audience on Instagram. So if your business solely relies on Instagram and Instagram was to disappear tomorrow, your business would also disappear. So that's a pretty scary thought. Um, So I am just about to start work on developing a signature online program that is going to teach health professionals how to establish a complete marketing framework within their business. So, you know, identifying their their brand and getting really clear on what that is, uh, working their messaging, their website, social media, email marketing, like the whole lot. I talk to a lot of health professionals who run their own businesses, obviously, and you know, I'm hearing from them that this is something that they would find really valuable. So that is what I am working on being able to deliver for them, hopefully, or I'm going to say realistically rather than hopefully, realistically late next year. <laughs> Because something like that um, takes a lot of work to develop. But before I launch that program, what I want to do is look at working really closely with a small group of business owners to really road test that framework in more of a mastermind style group. So that would be, you know, part group teaching, part one-on-one coaching and mentoring for me. So if there's any business owners listening to this episode who like the sound of that, please do reach out to me and say hello and I can keep you updated on on when that's going to kick off. Yeah, definitely. That's really exciting, Rachel. Um, And I just wanted to clarify, you know, the audience in terms of who you're trying to help and reach. So it's it's healthcare professionals um, across the board. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So um, yeah, any healthcare professional, this this my course, my services are suitable for. I obviously work with a lot of dietitians and a lot of nutritionists based on my background. So, um, you know, I know, I guess I have the advantage of knowing the industry really well and what works and what doesn't work. But I have also worked with physios. That's another industry which are really starting to adopt the online space. Speech pathologists. I had a hypnotherapist in um, Graham Teeny last round. So there is diversity there. And I'm going to be looking at, you know, increasing that diversity in my client base as well. That's really exciting. And it's really exciting to think as well as allied health professionals and other health professionals um, having resources to help us 
um, excel in in businesses in our business and marketing and all of the um, I suppose areas that we not don't necessarily learn in in university or part of our training. Yeah, exactly. And if I can take the overwhelm of you know the marketing side of things mm-hmm. away from business owners, then you know that makes me very happy. I consider my work done. <laughs> mm, yes. Um, so you're an exceptional marketer, Rachel, um, and I'm really keen to understand. Um, do Do you think that dietitians who own their own businesses need to do need to either work in a marketing role or go out and get formal training, or, or do you think that it's something that can be learnt as as they move through this journey? I think you know naturally, whenever we do things, we learn. Like we're always learning in life. Mm. I don't think it's necessary for dietitians who run their own business to go and study marketing. Um, however, I would recommend investing in, you know, a course or some type of professional development that is going to help them in that area. I suppose, you know, my vision for my business is to be a bit of a go-to place for all things online marketing for health professionals. And, you know, if I can teach you what you need to know about online marketing in the simplest way possible, then that means you can focus on being the best practitioner uh, possible for your clients. So that's my sort of aim. Mm Um, you know, I think that we sometimes think we can do it all, but you know, we can't, (laughs) the reality is. So if there's an opportunity to make things easier for yourself or to be guided by someone else who potentially knows something more in a certain area than you, then I would highly encourage anyone to take, to take that opportunity up. And that doesn't just apply to to business. It's your own professional development as well, Mm -hmm. you know, from a nutrition perspective. And maybe for some business owners, if this is not something that that you're particularly passionate about um, and you have the capacity to bring someone else on your team who is really good and really excited and passionate about marketing and business development, that kind of thing, maybe that's, that's another option as well. Absolutely. That is so smart. The worst thing that you could do as a business owner is create a team of people that are just like you. Because you want to be able to really draw on other people's strengths and their interest areas and really give them, you know, the the power and the independence to really own that space within a business. I think that makes a really great team. So, yeah, if you're someone listening who's in the position to, you know, hire someone or bring someone on, then absolutely that that's a great great choice. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. We talk a lot about working to strengths within our internal team at DC as well. Yeah, yep, so important. Um, Rachel, I'd love to learn more about your key values that underpin your work. Um, so, yeah, if you could <laughs> tell us more about your values and, um, yeah, how they, how they create meaning in your work. Yeah, for sure. So I would describe my approach to marketing as being really human-centered. And I think that aligns really well to, to my clients. Obviously, health professionals do what they do to help people. And if they don't, then they're probably in the wrong profession. <laughs> so a, a lot of traditional marketing often stems from a product-first approach. So let's just say a company has a new product that they're about to release and they consider that product to be the best on the market. Well, when they go to market that product, and tell people about it, the value proposition that they place on that product, and that's just a fancy way of saying how they communicate why people should even care about that product in the first place, is based on 
how awesome they think their product is and how awesome they think they are as opposed to the value of that product for its customer. So for example, um, you know, you should buy this product because it's the best and we're the best as opposed to it's the best for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking this comes back to the sentence that we've all heard through our lives is the customer's always right. And it's not necessarily about the customer is always right when there's a dispute. It's about um, you start with the customer and what the customer wants. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, exactly. You know, businesses exist to solve a problem. So if you want to run a successful business, you need to make sure that the problem you're solving is actually something that people want fixed. Mm -hmm. And that is why my approach to marketing doesn't start with the product. It starts with the people. So the end user. Exactly, exactly. So I'm really interested in understanding my customer really well on a deeper level. So I want to know what their motivations are, what their pain points are, uh, what they are being challenged with, what are they struggling with, what do they desire to, to do and to be in life. And then I will develop marketing content that is really grounded in that understanding of them mm. as humans. So you'll never see me sharing content that drives fear or shame into people. You know, we really often see that in the dieting industry. Perfect example of, mm. of marketing gone wrong um, or unethical marketing in my view. Mm. Um, so you'll instead see me sharing content that is quite empathetic and real and it stems from a place of genuine care and a genuine want to help people solve their problem. And that is, of course, the approach that I teach all of my students. So I suppose going back to your question around what values underpin my work, empathy, connection, and kindness are three really big ones for me. I like to think that that really forms the heart of my brand. But, you know, another really big one is that disruption piece. So the work I do is disruptive. It's certainly not the norm for health professionals to be online yet. And I'm trying to influence a very traditional industry, but I think it's really necessary work and important work in order to ensure that people around the world are able to be connected with the right health information. And of course, you know, connected with the right healthcare services. That's beautiful. And I suppose as well, I was just thinking when you're when you're sharing that, it comes back to the conversation around niche as well. You can't fully um, understand the end user and what they need unless you understand who they are and the problems that they are dealing with. Would you agree? Yeah, that is exactly right. And, you know, one of the biggest objections to having a niche is that people want to help everyone. And that's really great and that's really admirable. But I suppose I always ask, you know, If you were, let's use a psychologist as an example, you know, if you were diagnosed with uh, depression and it was recommended that you go and see a psychologist, would you go and see the psychologist that specializes in couples counseling or would you go and see the psychologist that specializes in depression? You would, of course, go and work with the psychologist Mm -hmm. that that works in the area of depression because you feel that you'll get the best care there. And that's exactly the same. That's how you need to think as a dietitian uh, in your business. People want to work with the quote unquote, you know, expert in, in an area. So that's sort of how you can be really strategic in positioning your, your messaging. The more specific you are, you know, the more successful you, you're probably going to be in your marketing efforts. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
Um, so Rachel, through your communications, you talk a bit about the mistakes that you've made over your journey and the lessons you've learned. Um, can you tell us a bit about some of the key moments here um, that have you know really shaped your business and your life? I'm like trying not to laugh because it's like, how how much longer do we have to answer this question? Because there's been a lot of mistakes <laughs> and lessons. Um, the biggest mistake though, because I, I did do a bit of thinking about this was, and I touched on it a little bit earlier, thinking that I could figure things out on my own and that I could figure out how to run a business on my own. You know, when you start out in running a business, you have a really small budget and so you DIY everything. And I don't think there's anything wrong with DIYing everything, but DIY with a bit of guidance. So, you know, working as an allied health professional, it can absolutely take a a mental toll on people. You know, there are a lot of, you know, clients that are obviously relying on you for care and for support, and that can be incredibly draining, particularly if you're a really empathetic practitioner and an empathetic person. And when you add running a business on top of that, it is just so easy to burn out I see it happening all the time and, you know, that's exactly what happened to me in in my own story. You know, running a business had a really significant impact on my mental health. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety, depression late 2019 and that was also another reason as to why I decided to step away from my business and just press that pause because I just felt like I needed to reassess what I was doing because I felt like I wasn't working smart. I was just spreading myself thin everywhere. And as a result of that, I felt like I wasn't doing a great job at everything because it's impossible to be to be great at everything, mm-hmm. as, as we all know. So in hindsight, I think, you know, a lot of what I was feeling, that stress, that anxiety certainly could have been avoided if I had have just, you know, invested a little bit of money into a, a course or, you know, a business coach or something that could have provided me with better guidance as opposed to just it being me doing Google searches and piecing all the all the pieces together. But I suppose in saying that, if I didn't hit that low point in my mental health and I didn't reassess, you know, the way that I was doing business and running my business, you know, I really don't think I would have been as intentional now about the way that I operate, if that makes sense. Yeah, I wonder if there's quite a few people listening to this podcast who can probably relate to that same sort of situation. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, something for me, like to give you an example of how I manage that while still running a business, I don't open my calendar for one-on-one coaching, even though I'm asked all the time whether I'll do one-on-one coaching or mentoring. And the reason I make that decision is because I'm trying to structure my services in a way that's sustainable for me. So the only way that people can work with me is by, you know, doing one of my, you know, courses essentially. Um, and, you know, there's no reason why people who are listening, you know, dietitians, um, nutritionists that are listening can't do that as well. You know, I understand that there will always be that certain element of one-on-one client work as working as a dietitian, but there's no reason why you can't also offer a more scalable product or a more scalable service within your business, such as a group program or an online course, you know, something that allows you to essentially help more people and earn more money within your business for that 
same time exchanged. And I see, you know, a lot of dietitians doing that successfully. It just takes that thinking outside of the box, which can be a little bit challenging when you're really in the thick of it and you're just like struggling to, to keep up with client demand. It can be really hard to step away and just, you know, reevaluate your, your business structure. But it is so valuable to do that because that's going to ensure your longevity in your career mm-hmm. and within your profession. And it probably allows practitioners to be able to make a little bit of money while they need to take some time off for a vacation or to rest or to do some family commitments. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I don't know whether you're familiar with Embody Health London, the two um, dietitians. Yeah, so I... They have such an interesting story. I had them on my podcast, Cassie and Ariana. Uh, Cassie is actually Australian, but she lives over uh, in London. And they, so they essentially, I, I knew them as the dancing dietitians on Instagram and TikTok. Mm. And when COVID hit, I remember watching their videos on social media and their business just skyrocketed. They're like the perfect example of a business that jumped on, you know, Instagram reels at the perfect time. And it just like really grew and scaled their business quick. And they work in the area of eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I thought, you know, for that type of clientele, I just would make the assumption that one-on-one work is the best type of strategy or approach to working with that type of client. But what they did during COVID was they created a group program to support their clients and it has ended up being the most successful, you know, service offering within their business. So that's Mm -hmm. something that, you know, really um, helps their client. It's the best thing for their client and client care. It's also the best thing for their business structure as well because it allows them a little bit of breathing room. And, you know, they're also able to help more people through that. You know, they just had an increase of inquiries with with lockdown over in the UK of people needing support um, who are really struggling with disordered eating and diagnosed eating disorders. And they were running out of the capacity to help people. Mm. And so by creating that service offering in their business, it was a, a huge plus and a huge benefit for everyone mm. involved. That's an incredible story. Um, I suppose maybe, uh, do you think maybe a point to make here is there's always going to there's always going to be patients that need to see a dietitian one on one because of individualized um, situation and needing individualized advice. So perhaps it's a it's a situation where you do have a group program, but then you also have that one on one offering for those that need it. Yes, absolutely. It's you know creating that service offering for different types of clients Mm -hmm. within your business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you can support someone who's appropriate to go into a group style program, um, you know, then, you know, I think that's a great option to offer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to that point, um, tell me a bit, I mean, you mentioned getting guidance. Tell me a bit about the mentors of key people in your life who have shaped this journey that you've been on. It's a really interesting question. And I actually had to think really hard about it because it's hard to pick like certain people because I feel like I've been very fortunate to be influenced by so many incredible people, both within the dietetic profession and outside of it. In terms of people who have shaped my journey, I would have to say 
Leanne Ward. I don't know whether you've had Leanne on the podcast before. So Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. So Leanne was actually my clinical supervisor. Mine too. Was she really? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay. So yeah, I did my clinical placement at the hospital where Leanne used to work. And I also did a, a separate placement with her whilst I was studying. And I would say that she really introduced me to Instagram and social media in general. So in terms of someone who shaped my journey, I think she really was very much that first person at the beginning of my journey that sort of opened my eyes to other potential uh, possibilities for, for dietitians online. And another person who has also shaped my journey is Alicia Edge from Compete Nutrition. Yes. Have you, yeah. Yes, okay. I know so, Alicia. Yeah. Oh, I just love Alicia. She's just an awesome human being doing incredible things at Compete Nutrition. But Alicia was actually the person who encouraged me to start my podcast, Mm -hmm. Naked Chats. So funny story is that Naked Chats was never a podcast. It was a blog series on my website. Wow. And Alicia was one of the first people that I reached out to, to, you know, do this blog feature. And she turned around and was like, just an idea, but you know, this would be way better as a podcast. You should start a podcast. And I was terrified at the thought of starting a podcast. And I think, I feel like it would have been at least six months down the track. I finally worked up the courage to start the podcast. And Alicia was so good. She basically said, you know, I'm happy to answer these blog questions, but also I'm happy to be your first guest on your podcast. And she kept sort of checking in on me. Um, and I'm just so appreciative of that. And I still have a relationship with Alicia. I just think she was incredibly supportive in really, you know, pushing me from afar, even though we've never met in person, all these online relationships. Yeah. And also just a side note, um, mentor doesn't have to be a formal mentor mentor either it can be someone that um, inspires you gives you advice that you look up to and um, helps guide you but you might never never call them a mentor but there are you know in essence a mentor so to speak yeah so true that's such a great point and I think you know leading on from that someone who has been a real constant for me in terms of being a really big cheerleader is one of my really good friends, Alicia Slyers, who's also a dietitian. So we went to uni together and she runs her own business in Toowoomba, Stronger With Nutrition. And she's the person that I will always call when I'm having those moments of self-doubt or, you know, really questioning a decision that I've made in my business. And she just seems to always, you know, know the right thing to say to mm. just sort of lift me up and keep pushing me forward. So, yeah, I think those three, yeah, three women have been very instrumental in terms of shaping the direction of my career. And in terms of changing your blog into a podcast, in hindsight, comments or thoughts? The best decision ever. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Alicia. (laughs) Go, Alicia. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because your podcast has been um, so successful, Rachel. I've listened to quite a few episodes. I know you interviewed um, Marie Ferguson, our founder on it, um, about a year ago from memory. So, and it's really lovely to be sitting down as fellow podcasters talking together because, <laughs> um, <laughs> because, uh, I suppose I'll, I'll just explain, given this is an audio thing, we both have our, um, really cool microphones set up <laughs> <laughs> and we are sharing stories of microphones at the start of this interview. So, um, 
I'm I'm always excited to talk to um, fellow podcasters, and and I think your podcast is really excelling. So I would love to learn more about um, how your podcast gives meaning to your work, um, following on from you know converting it from a blog into now a podcast, and and how it relates to you know the work that you see as really meaningful. I think for me, the podcast has just been another great way or another great opportunity for me to connect with my audience and provide value to them in a different format. And one of the things I really love about podcasting is that you're able to have conversations that you can't necessarily have on Instagram or on another social media platform. So I think it really serves a a really valuable purpose within the marketing ecosystem of my business. It certainly does take a lot of time to produce, but I think that time investment is worth it because it's been a really great tool for, you know, building authority and building trust with my audience. And I have no doubt that that then, you know, translates into to revenue within my business. Not that that's the main purpose of my podcast, but of course, you know, when you put your, your business owner hat on, you need to make sure that, you know, all the things that you're investing time into is financially viable and, and has a, a, some sort of cost benefit. Mm. Um, and, so do you feel as well it's a really great way to um, hear about people's stories and their, um, you know, their experiences? Yeah, definitely. I think that has been why I suppose I think that's what people like most about my podcast. So my podcast, Naked Chats, has changed a little bit as I've changed, obviously, the industry that I've worked in. But something that's remained really consistent within the podcast is really showcasing people's career journey and their career story. And the whole purpose behind that is to really highlight the fact that no one's journey is linear. And we only see, you know, we create our own perception of, you know, success and what people are doing. And it's so easy to look at others that you may follow online and think, you know, wow, they're working with all of these brands. Like that's so cool. And just assume that that stuff came easily, but it never does. I'm yet to meet anyone who has had that linear journey. Everyone has the peaks and troughs and uh, that they go through in their business journey. And I think, you know, having the podcast to be able to, you know, spotlight that, it can be really motivating and inspiring to other people, you know, because if you're listening and you're potentially going through a bit of a a challenge within your own business um, at the moment, to be able to hear from someone else who has experienced a similar thing uh, and has gotten through on the other side is I think really beneficial. And if you can pick up some really actionable tips and some industry insights along the way, then, you know, that's a, even better. Mm. I've had comments from dietitians uh, saying that they feel like when they're listening to our podcast, they feel like they're sitting in the same room with us as part of the conversation. And I think that's just a lovely way of demonstrating how through podcasting, you really get that richness of hearing that person's story, which you might not necessarily get all that detail in a written interview or similar. Absolutely. That's that's so nice and what an incredible compliment to your mm. podcast because you're right. I, I, I aim for that too. I want people to feel like they're sitting here having a conversation mm. with me and whoever else I'm talking to. And I think that really, you know, when we talk about connection and connecting with your audience, what better way to connect with people than through storytelling? 
Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all the success you've achieved with your podcast. I always enjoy listening to it. Um, and it's just, uh, you've done an incredible job with it. Thanks, Kate. That's so kind. I appreciate that. Um, all right. So what's next for you, Rachel? What's the, <laughs> what's the long-term vision? What's the priority? So I guess the the next big thing for me is the relaunch of Gramtini. So I'm going to be launching again on October 12th. I actually haven't said that anywhere. I'm not sure when this episode will go go live. But um, yeah, October 12th, the doors and enrollments will open for Gramtini. And yeah, that's going to be eight weeks of fun. I'm going to be working with health professionals, teaching them how to build profitable Instagram pages. So we finish up before Christmas, which means that they can enter the new year with a fantastic Instagram strategy in place, ready to kick goals. And yeah, so I think that's, yeah, that's my next biggest thing. And then, like I said before, I'll be working on um, getting together a really small group of business owners who are looking to really overhaul the marketing ecosystem within their business. And for those that do want to get involved with Graham Tinney, where should they go for that? So the best place is probably my website, uh, rachelhawkins.co forward slash Gramtini. And yes, that is a combination of Instagram and martinis. I do like <laughs> to talk about earlier, <laughs> which I love. Yes. <laughs> um, so that will be where you can access all course information. But of course, I'm always hanging out on Instagram. So my handle is just rachelhawkins.co. Feel free to reach out, say hello, and I can guide you in the right direction. Beautiful. We'll include that on our show notes as well. Um, so is there anything, so we'll have to wrap up now, Rachel, we'll be talking for an hour, which I've loved. Is there anything you, any other comments or anything else you'd like to share um, in terms of takeaways? Oh, goodness. I I don't know if I have anything else to add, only that I'm obviously a huge advocate and someone who really needs to find purpose in my work. And you know, it really gets me down when I hear, you know, dietitians have that have these really incredible visions for perhaps a business that they want to create. And they're sort of knocked down by someone who says, you can't do that. You're not ready for that. My advice is the completely opposite. My advice to that is do that and chase that and pursue that and pursue whatever is going to make you happy. But like we spoke about during this episode, be smart about it and, you know, where you can invest in, you know, a mentor or a course or something that's going to help you uh, and facilitate your your journey and fast track that journey, then, you know, be really smart about it and do that. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, pursue your dreams and, you know, don't be thrown off by the advice of other people who may deter you. Mm, that's great. And I might add to that is there are lots of ways we can find meaning and purpose in our work as dietitians. And I think the journey you've worked is an, you've walked, sorry, is an incredible example of that. Thank you. That's such a great point. I love that. It's a great way to finish. Thanks, Rachel. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. You've had such a really interesting story so far. Um, you have a tremendous amount of courage. I think it took, took real bravery to take those steps that you have in the last few years. Thank you so much for all you've shared. And um, I know our listeners will get a lot of value out of this. So thank you. Thanks so much, Kate. I really appreciate, you know, the opportunity to come and speak with you and, you know, really access all of your DC listeners. I'm obviously a huge fan of the work that you guys do. So it's been so great to be able to chat today. Thanks, Rachel. We are huge fans of you as well. (laughs) 
To get all of the links and resources we discussed through this episode, you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Dietitian Connection podcast, please leave a review for us and a rating on the Apple Podcast app. Tell us what you thought about this episode, what you learned, and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes. We really value hearing from you and we really value your feedback. So please, please hit that review button. 